All right, good evening, everybody. Tonight, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we'll be, 12, and we'll see how far we get tonight. Now, um, because this is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and all for the next three weeks or so, it might be a little longer than that, depends on how far along we go uh, in tonight's chapter. It could be four weeks um, if we break it up a little bit. Um, I'm going to do what I normally do privately, publicly, so that you kind of know how things work for me, um, because what's supposed to happen right now is the gift of teaching by the power of the Holy Spirit is supposed to take place. If it doesn't, we've wasted our time, and it's just J.D. talking up here, and it's not that I'm the mouth of God, you know, now listen to the mouth of God. No, it's just that um, we rely on his power to do anything in the ministry, whether that's the gift of helps or the gift of administrations, something as simple as cleaning a toilet with a happy heart still requires the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, so there's no grumbling or complaining. So there's a, a prayer and a, a time that I go through, not a ritual, but a very uh, sincere time with the Lord that I have uh, before I get up here because I don't want to, well, you don't want to do any harm, you know, and you don't want to make mistakes and you don't want to be without him up here. So this is what I do. Lord, I pray that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh. And I pray that you give me the gift to teach. I pray that it be an operation. Lord, I pray that nothing of me would come through, and if it does, forgive me, and I pray that you'd help me to guard my mouth, um, that whatever is from my mouth to their ears, Lord, um, is a blessing, uh, that it reaches their hearts by the power of your Spirit. That's, that's, my, that's my hope. And so, Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. I want to lift up holy hands without any, without any rage, without any wrath, and uh, I want to become a pure vessel for you tonight. And so, Lord, I just pray that you use me. I pray that you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I do that. And that's sincere. That's something I do. Sometimes it becomes a little rote and a little hurried if I get caught and I'm not able to do that right before I come up. Um, it's a real quick, almost a Nehemiah prayer, Lord help, you know, kind of thing. Um, but he knows what I mean when I say Lord help. It's all that, you know. Um, and so that's our prayer is to be filled with the Holy Spirit we say that a lot. We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit a lot. And it's interesting how Paul starts off this chapter as he tries to communicate with this Corinthian church who is operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit by the power of the Spirit, but not according to chapter 13, which is love. And so therefore, it is a waste of time and it is a resounding gong is what he, how he describes it next week in chapter 13, to hear someone use the gifts of the Spirit in a way that's not mixed with God's love for the people that they're using it for. Sometimes we use the gifts of the Spirit for ourselves to bring ourselves glory. That's a resounding gong. Sometimes we do it um, to show off or to make people feel less because you have it and they don't. That's a resounding gong. And so Paul tries to teach the Corinthian church the proper way. Um, to do and to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are as essential as air, water, or food to us as believers in Jesus Christ. To think that we can go on and live our lives uh, by the power of Jesus Christ in our lives or without the power of Jesus Christ in our lives, without that, the gift of the Holy Spirit working, it's like trying to go without one of those three elements. You, you become anemic, you become weak, you become sickly, and Paul says as much tonight as he goes through these things. And the church was in that condition. Um, I don't know whether it was, you've heard, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. I don't know which it is. There's usually two camps that you're in. 
Um, there's actually three camps, but most people are in one of two camps when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church today. One is either you've been around a church that has abused these gifts or the gifts are simply theatrical. They're acted out. They're pretended upon. They're not the actual power of the Holy Spirit. And you were so freaked out by it that you went clear to the other side of the room and you started your own group, which was, there are no gifts of the Holy Spirit for today. It's all wacko. It's weird. Stay away. And so you've got those two camps, basically. And there is a third group. It's just biblical Christianity, where the power of the Holy Spirit does move when he wants to among his people who are willing and by faith will operate in those gifts and allow him to do those things. And it is done decently and in order, and it's done to edify the body. It's done not to lift up the person. It's meant to edify the whole church to bring other people to the Lord, you know, to let them know that the power of God is, is, is at work. And that's the group we want to be a part of. That's the group we want to participate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want that to take place. So Paul tries to teach and tries to bring these things to pass in chapters 12, 13, and 14. And I hope we get a, a pretty good understanding of these things tonight. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I, I do not want you to be ignorant I'm not going to stop every verse, but it's kind of hard not to after that one because of all the things that we're ignorant of in the church, this is one of them. And this is what Paul says. This is absolutely a must. You cannot be ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yet, here we are. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. And what he means by it is these idols that don't speak. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, those aren't litmus tests, and we've turned those into those, uh, to that sometimes. A litmus test kind of, well, is it really the Holy Spirit? Is that person really saved? Because if they say Jesus is Lord, then they must be filled with the Spirit. Not necessarily. That's not what he's getting at, and that's not what he's saying in context. What he's saying is you need to make sure that... Um, when someone says these things, Jesus is Lord, you, you, that's the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Um, uh, but it isn't, it, it doesn't, it's not the proof that they're a born again believer in Jesus Christ. Paul has a young lady that follows him around who was demon possessed that said nothing but uh, these men represent the Lord most high. These are right, screaming at the top of her lungs until Paul, Paul turns around and says, the Lord rebuke you, you know. You're annoying me. It says, Paul greatly annoyed. Well, she's doing this, but she's demon-possessed. There's a difference. So what Paul's trying to say and what he's trying to teach them is um, you can't say Jesus is accursed and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Um, you don't follow non-speaking dumb idols anymore. Those were rocks. Those were pieces of wood that you carved into your own image. And please hear me on this. What, what they would do was these gods that they would worship would become awful, an awful lot like the person worshiping them because the personality is then projected onto these things. Um, he doesn't speak, so let me speak for him on his behalf. Um, my God, we'll call him rock God number one or whatever. You know, it doesn't make any difference. He loves this, that, or the other thing. He told me so. 
You can't carry that, and a lot of Christians do, and, and bring that to our God. He doesn't speak anymore. He's not alive. And so we begin to project ourselves onto this God in that way. Um, we make Jesus out to be like us. We, um, we begin to say that, no, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't for today. Who told you that? I believe that. That's not what the Bible teaches. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we need to listen and pay attention to these things. It's a real conversation. It's a, a real relationship that we have with him. And that's difficult for people because it's scary to think about that he'd actually talk. We're used to dumb idols. We're used to rocks and wood or things before we came to Christ that were under our control, under our power. Now we're listening for someone who has great power and great authority, and he wants to speak to us. And if that's the case, then that means he wants us to follow him and obey him. And if he tells me to do this, that, or the other thing according to his word, then I need to do that. And a lot of people prefer the dumb idol, Jesus. The idol that you can tell what to do or you can ignore or say, you know, that's not for me kind of thing. And, and that's, not, that's not what we're here to do. And that's what Paul's trying to encourage them. Don't make Jesus a, a, a mute idol in your life. He's not. He wants to speak. Um, this is a difficult thing to teach. Wednesday, this has been one of the craziest Wednesdays I've had in a long time. Um, and I know Wednesdays are usually not attack mode, but distraction filled for the most part. It's always been that way. And I'm, I'm, and I wake up knowing that. So when it, the, the distraction comes, I know what it is. I'm not distracted. I know how to dodge and weave and work my way to God's word and prayer and prepare for the teaching. And today's been exceptionally distracting, you know, and yet I have, I haven't been, um, that's because our enemy, Satan, doesn't want us to know these things, to, to understand these things, to use these things. He prefers us to have a relationship with the true and living God like a dumb idol, like a mute God who doesn't speak to us. And we're left to the dictates of our own hearts to figure out this life and maybe put Jesus in our back pocket, but still just kind of go along with the way the world is. And he likes that. It, it keeps the power out of our lives and all the power in his court. Okay. Um, it's a very dangerous thing to believe or to come to the understanding that the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't for today and aren't allowed in the church. Many denominations believe that, teach that. And it's a very dangerous doctrine for us as believers. It is these are the weapons of our warfare. These are the things that God has given us as tools to minister to this lost, dying world. These are essential. Without these in our quiver, you know, of arrows, without these on our persons and, and believed upon, we're using bare hands against Satan, and it's futile. And he likes it that way. He likes us mismatched. He, he likes us not relying on God or putting Jesus or the gifts of the Spirit in between us and him. He likes the fact that we're trying to bare knuckle with him and we lose every time. And so Paul tries to encourage them. You, you were Gentiles and you were carried away by mute idols. However, that's not what's happening right now. You're, you're being led by the Spirit and you need to be paying attention to that. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. 
There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And I'm going to stop there, even though it's not a period, because we go into the gifts. There's nine gifts that he mentions here. First of all, there are diversities of gifts, different kinds of gifts. He's going to describe these nine to us. And not everybody gets all nine. Not everybody gets five, four, three, two, but you will get one. But you could get out all nine. It's up to him. It's distributed as he wills, as he's about to teach us that. These gifts are differing from one another. No, and he's going to describe it as, as a nose, as an ear, as an eye, as a hand, as a foot. They're that different. And they all different purposes and different uses. So he says there are diversities of gifts. That's the first thing we have to know, know that there are diversities. But it's the same spirit that does it. So they're not competing. And they don't interrupt each other, which is one of the problems the Corinthian church had. And that's where a lot of people who are unaware or uneducated about the gifts of the Spirit can walk into a Pentecostal church, and there's nothing wrong with Pentecostal churches, but a Pentecostal church that has no restraint, is not doing things decently in order, and it's hard to figure out with all the chaos going on in the room. If you've never experienced that before, YouTube it, and you'll know what I'm talking about. And a lot of it is theatrical. Most of it's theatrical. It's hard to discern where the Holy Spirit is because one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but one of the attributes of those is self-control. And so when you see lack of self-control and the gifts of the Holy Spirit being used in strange ways and some gifts or actions by the Holy Spirit not even mentioned in Scripture, it's hard to then sit in that room and say, this is the Lord when you can sense, and here's what's funny, The person who watches this and gets that sense that this isn't of God, that's actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. As you sit there and look, it's called the discerning of spirits. You're sitting there saying, this is not the God I worship. I can tell. I know. I don't know how I know, but I know this isn't him. You just operated the gift of the Holy Spirit and you didn't even know it. And ironically, you say, then there are no gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that actually showed you that that was wrong. And so he says that there's diversities, there's differences in gifts, but it's the same spirit. We're on the same team and we don't interrupt each other. If there is an interruption, I'm concerned. I'm not saying both are wrong. Both the gifts being used are wrong, but one of them is. One of them is off. The Holy Spirit does not interrupt himself. There are differences of ministries. In other words, you have these gifts and you're called to different ministries. There are several ministries in the world, all different kinds. This one's a teaching ministry. Ours is a teaching ministry. There are others that are more evangelical ministries. For example, Greg Glory, although is a pastor teacher at his home church, he also is an evangelist who goes out and does special events at in Anaheim or all over the world, actually, uh, crusades, you know, witnessing and sharing the love of Christ with huge amounts of people. Those are differences of ministries, but the same spirit. And the gifts of the spirit are essential for both of those. It's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities. What does that look like? What are the activities? Well, I'll try to come up with an example at the very end here, and and, uh, it'll help. 
it, it blends in with the manifestations also. So there's diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For example, an example of a the gift of teaching. That's my gift. That's what God's given me. I'm a pastor teacher. I'm called to that. It's what I do. I try to stay in my lane. Okay. I try to do the work of an evangelist because the scriptures tell me to do the work of an evangelist, but I'm not. I don't have thousands that come forward. I don't have thousands that raise the hand. I just, it's not my gift. I don't have that, but I do the work of an evangelist. I will will share the gospel by all means. And one in 20 will accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Whereas Greg Laurie will share the gospel and 10,000 people come forward and receive the Lord. It's just different. It's different. I don't have that gift, but I am a pastor teacher. So I know that. And an example of that is there are several pastor teachers in town. And the manifestation of that gift of teaching comes out differently in each of us. Different. Chad Main from the bridge is not J.D. Dirks, nor is J.D. Dirks Chad Main. Neither one of us are Paul McKim, and so on. The, the teaching, the gift is still there, but it's not being manifested the same way. Or bring it to your church, um, to this church. For example, um, when you're teaching Sunday school with the kids back there, and you're going to teach on Noah's Ark, so you give them a coloring page, and you give them some colors and you teach them Noah's Ark in a way that they can understand it in a simple form. But when you come on these side of the, this side of the doors, you're going to get a lecture like what we're doing right now. And there's going to be maybe some illustrations and examples, but I'm not handing out coloring pages and coloring crayons to you because it's not the same way. It's manifesting itself differently. Both are being taught the same text, but it's being manifested and used differently. Still the gift of teaching You do know, and I hope you understand that, to be in the children's ministry, you need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and have the gift of teaching. You have to have that. We do not fill slots here. If there's a gap or an opening, we look for someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we can't find one that's filled with the Holy Spirit or someone's not ready, then we don't have the class. We blend them into another class. It's not a a byproduct. It's not a a side issue. The children's ministry is as important as this room here. Each and every room in there is its own congregation. And each little soul is worthy of a Holy Spirit-filled teacher that loves kids and knows how to manifest, is given the gift, and that's manifested in such a way that these kids can understand it and receive the Word of God. They can't sit here. Eventually, they get older and they can, they can sit through this kind of teaching, but it's not the same. Some of you would probably prefer, you know, I could use a coloring page. That'd be all right, you know, and I understand that. Different, different ministries. And there's other churches out there that do things differently, and that may appeal to you or, or bless you in a different way. And that's okay, you know. Um, one of the things that I, and I don't say it too often because I'm not into church splits and I don't want people leaving, but... By all means, if there's another pastor in town that you seem to identify with better or seems to touch you in a, in a, in a, in a better way, or you're able to receive from that person better, that's because that manifestation of the gift of teaching is touching you. That's where you should be at church. By all means, that's where you should go. There's no hard feelings here. I don't take it personally that you're leaving and going to another church. I mean, I will if you kick the day. Hey, J.D., you're a rotten, dirty. Oh, easy. I mean, you know. But by all means, find that place that fits for you, okay? Um, 
and make sure it's not just a personality conflict, but it truly is somewhere where God is leading you to go. You know, be led of the Spirit and all these things. There's different manifestations of the Spirit. Notice that it doesn't say there's a diversity of beliefs. It's the same beliefs. We don't go from one place to another and the Holy Spirit teaches this over here and then teaches a completely different belief over here. That's not the Holy Spirit. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. You know, um, We don't have a diversity of beliefs. Now, there are some churches in town that do have a diversity of beliefs. You can go to room 101 and got taught this belief, and you can go to room 202 and get taught this belief, and then you can come up on Sunday morning and get taught a completely different belief. That's a dangerous thing. That's someone who's trying to cater. They're not being led of the Spirit. They're trying to cater to different people's, well, you know, whatever. They just want numbers, and that's a very dangerous thing, and that's not biblical. You have to be careful. Now, these are the manifestations of the Spirit. There's a difference. Now, Paul's trying to get across, look, the Corinthian church was saying, look, I speak in tongues. I'm greater than all of you. No, yeah, well, I do miracles. I'm greater than all of you. And they were using the gifts as a measuring rod, you know, a measuring stick to who was, who was greater, who was better, you know, who has more gifts, who's using them better, whatever. And he's like, no, 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 it's not a competition. They're meant to edify the body of Christ. They're meant to be used in that way. So the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, not just you. Um, you may be blessed by using that gift, um, but it's not for you. It's for everybody else. The gifts of the Spirit is the way by which God manifests his love to other people. And if they're being used any other way, then it's not a gift of the Spirit. It's yours. For to one is given, and here are the gifts of the Spirit, a word of wisdom through the Spirit. That's our first gift, word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is a solution that God may give you for a problem that you have. Um, for my kids, for example, we would pray for the car keys or the toy that got lost or the missing shoe. That's how we start. Um, we ask God for a word of wisdom. Would you show us where that is? We know that he can see it. We know he knows right where it is. You know, and, 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 and telling your kids where was the last place you used it is, is not a help. You know, <laughs> That's the first place they looked. So we do. We pray. So God, you know where the shoe is. You know we're kind of in a hurry. Can you help us where that shoe is? And all of a sudden they go, oh, I know where it is. It's behind the couch. I threw it, I threw it at Bo, you know, or whatever. And, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that, you know, um, in a fun way. They don't like, they don't beat each other up, but I threw it at my brother. There it is. There's the shoe. That's a word of wisdom. Or you're running across a problem. Maybe you're working. And um, I bet Sam prays this all the time as you're working on cars. He's like, God, I do not know how to do this. How do I change the brakes and I'll put the new pads on? I need some help. And all of a sudden, there it is. God will give you wisdom, a word of wisdom, something you didn't know, but gives you a solution to it. I'm sure, David, you've run into that a lot in construction, you know, and, and doing <laughs> and Africa. Boom. God, we need a word of wisdom here, you know. And, and he'll show you those things. And that's a gift of the Spirit. Um, I had a silly thing. And I say silly because for most people, it's, um, it's a minor thing. It, it, it isn't a major prayer. But um, I was going to wear flip-flops today, and, and, and I use myself an example, and it's embarrassing, but I, that's what I'm here for. Um, and my toenails hadn't been cut in a long time. You know, a little eagle claw looking, you know, kind of thing. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show a house. I'm going to go to church. I, I really need to get my toenails clipped. And I cannot find the toenail clippers, you know. That's a dumb prayer. But I'm like, God, I, I, I got to go. Where are, the, where are the toenail clippers? 
And I sat there, and I, and I do this. I just kind of sit there, and I just kind of wait, because I'm used to this. He's like, they're in the drawer in the kitchen. That's not where we keep them. It is where we keep them now. I learned that later on. But that's not where we keep them. We keep them in the, in the pantry. They're on the, they're on the third shelf. They're with the Advil and all the, you know, the gross stuff. They're not in the kitchen drawer. And I open the kitchen drawer, and there's the toenail clippers, and I got them. Now, oh, what a coincidence. No. I stood there, and it came to me. They're in the drawer. Now, I wish I had a better example than toenail clippers for you because you're like, great. Well, if I'm ever in the need of looking for toenail clippers, I'll call upon the Lord. No, but he, he does the small things and he does the big things too, if I'll trust him. It's the small things that we start with to learn that I really can tell you these things if you'll listen to me, then I can pray about marriage. And I can pray about my kids, and I can pray about my business, and I can pray about relationships and problems and sins that I have in my life. I can really pray about these things. And if I wait, and I wait on the Lord, he'll give me a solution. He'll give me a word of wisdom. And most Christians don't do that. Or, and I don't know where we got this deadline thing from, but we'll pray and say, God, I really need help with this. And I need to know by the 12th. And so... You know what God does, don't you? He'll tell you on the 13th. Because you said the 12th. Now, not always. He's not like that. And I don't mean to. I just know that I don't give deadlines. I've learned that. I say, God, I need help in this decision. And if I don't have an answer from him, my answer is no. My answer is no. I haven't heard. I can't do anything. A lot of people say, well, we waited long enough, and now we need an answer, and uh, I guess we're just going to draw straws and pick. That's a horrible place to be as a Christian. It's a horrible way to get your answers, to be led by yourself. If the Lord doesn't show me anything, then I don't do it. And that's frustrating for a lot of people, but that's just how it is. I've learned. I've learned the hard way of coming up with my own wisdom, my earthly wisdom, and weighing the good and the bad or the pros and the cons and just making a choice. And I didn't see all the things that he saw ahead of me. Sometimes his silence is just no. And I respect that now. I learned to respect that. If he is silent, I want to know why he's silent. It's that unusual for me. If he's quiet about something, it's like, okay, there's, I don't know what it is, but I'm not moving not doing it. That's a word of wisdom that God can give you if you'll let him. To another, the word of knowledge. Um, this is something that he'll give you uh, not just wisdom. Wisdom's like a solution. Knowledge is knowing something that you didn't know or nobody told you about. Um, an example of that. Um, I, I told you about that book, um, and I had them out here. They're all gone. Um, which is called Touched by His Spirit by Jim Hesterly. I've ordered 20 more copies because they're all gone. But, and it's just a very simple understanding of 12, 13, and 14. It's a good teaching on that. And he had great examples in there, and you should read that book, great examples. But I try to use the ones in my own life because I don't want it to be like a book thing, you know, because I live this, and there are examples. So a word of knowledge um, without, <laughs> see, it's hard because I, it's, it's you guys. So if I talk about it, I'm sharing something private that we've had an interaction about. So I'm kind of in a catch 22 here. I, I want to share it, but I can't um, because it's, it's private between, between us. But 
For example, so <laughs> here I go anyway, um, someone will come up and say, hey, I've, I've got this problem, I've got this issue, and, and, I, and I really need this straightened out, and I need you to pray for me, and this, that. And in the prayer that I'm praying with them over, I'll mention something that we hadn't talked about. And it's like God just showed me, you know, it's this. And they'll look at me and say, how did you know about him? Or how did you know about her? I didn't. But God has seen it. And God showed me that. Not all the time. I'm not some mystic, you know, who sits in a mountaintop, you know, and waiting for people to climb up and find the truth. No, but sometimes that'll happen. And it isn't awkward. It isn't. Um, It's revealing. And here's what happens in those moments. And here's why it's a good thing that God reveals things or shows things privately between just us or whatever. It shows them that God truly is there and he sees all and he's able to, you know, if you had that conversation with me and I mentioned something secret in your life, you would be like, oh, it's not a secret, is it? No, the whole universe knows about it. I mean, all of God, all of him, everybody in heaven sees it and watches it and they're there and they know that takes place. And there is a blessing associated with that where people are like, so it isn't something I can conceal. It's already out in the open. It's something I need to talk about. I got an example. Rod, he's looking out. You remember this? Costa Rica. The night before we were, I'm looking at him through the window because he's the children's ministry pastor out there and he's looking at me and, and, and he'll remember because he's one of the few guys that went with us to Costa Rica years ago. JC was six years old, our worship leader on Sunday morning. He was six years old when we went, took him. Um, and we were at a prayer meeting before we were going to go to Costa Rica. We were in Miami, just about ready to go into Costa Rica and we had a prayer night um, and it's pretty Pentecostal. We were hooked up as Calvary Chapel with this really Pentecostal group. I mean, like the kind of group that puts you on the other side of the room kind of group. I mean, kind of mismatched. But we ministered, didn't we, Rod? I mean, we just, we served, and we blessed them, and we ministered to them while we were there. Anyway, all of a sudden during this prayer time, we're all singing and praising, and, you know, you know and, and, and we're doing our best not to be Baptists, and we're, we're moving, and I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. <laughs> we were moving, and we were, and we were praying, and this kid throws himself on the ground and starts writhing and rolling and growling. And we're praying for the ministry that we're about to do and minister to these people. And he's doing this growling and rolling. And all the Pentecostal kids come over and they're casting out this demon out of this kid. And I don't look at Rod, but I know we're thinking the same thing. And I'm looking at this and I said, God, what is this? Because it's distracting us from praying about the people. It's distracting us from the ministry that God's called us to. We should be praying for the people. And all of a sudden this takes place. And I'm like, what is this? And so I prayed that prayer. I said, God, what is this? And some of our people were even doing it. Some of the college students that we brought with us were were doing that. And they couldn't do it. The kid wouldn't stop doing what he was doing because that's the church he grew up with. And I'm going to hammer this home. Because the theatrics that he grew up with caused him to believe that that's what he should do in these meetings, even though nothing was happening. He was faking it. And so they come over to Pastor JD, because I'm, I'm the only pastor in the room, and I'm going, and I'm not laying my hands on him, and I'm not casting out the demon, and I'm not doing it, no holy water, nothing. I'm looking at this kid saying, this is a distraction, this is wrong. And so I lean over to him and say, come over, Pastor J.D., pray for him. And I said, just back off, just back off. And he's doing his thing. And I leaned down in his ear and I said, you need to stop right now. 
I said, are you struggling with homosexuality? He stopped. He just looked at me. I said, come on, let's not distract him. Let's go sit over here and talk about what you're really struggling with. Now, why do I get upset about that? Because the Pentecostal church that's out of order teaches this kid that he must have a demon instead of a real sin problem that needs to be addressed, that needs to be talked about, that needs to be prayed over. He needs help. But he thinks there's nothing he can do but throw himself on the ground every church service and hope that somehow this will be alleviated and this burden will be lifted off of him. But this is how we do it at our church. And so it never gets addressed. So the word of knowledge was given at that very moment to get everybody back to doing what they're supposed to be doing, praying for the people, and so that this kid can get some prayer and some counseling and some help and some scripture and some accountability and everything that goes along with what the body of Christ does for someone. That's the word of knowledge. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He does things decently and in order, and there's real power. He really speaks. That's a word of knowledge. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Wait a minute, faith's a gift? Well, everybody's been given a measure of faith. All of us have been, okay? And we've acted upon that faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been given that faith, and you say, I I believe. I've never seen, I don't understand, I've never met Jesus. But somehow or another, as I'm reading the Scripture, I believe it's true, and I believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And so you exercise that faith that he's given you. I just believe without sight. This is different. This is faith. This is faith, faith. Okay? Now, there are different versions of this and different manifestations of this faith. So I'm going to use myself as an example, okay? Because I've been given this gift. Not all the time, though. It's not constantly flowing from me. I have a lot of doubt. I make a lot of mistakes. I do a lot of JD moments, you know, and have to backtrack and say, that was not God. You know, that was me. This church is here because by faith, I believed God said, Come here. We did. We didn't do a demographic. We didn't, we didn't send out a survey and to find out, you know, hey, you know, is there a need for this here? Because if there is, I think we can fill that niche. I think we can get in there and we can... Re- and we have flyers that come and booklets that come in our church mailbox. It'll tell you every which way but Sunday how to get a church going and how to make it bigger demographically. First of all, you need to meet the needs of these people. And then you got this demographic group. So you got to have a teen thing. And then you got to go do this. And you got to have that youth group. You got to have the thing. And then you got to have the, the college thing. And then you're going to Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of perspiration and zero inspiration. By faith, I went to a pastor's conference or leadership conference. I was not either. I was brought along. And during the afterglow, while we're waiting on the Lord... I felt that call that I'm supposed to be a pastor. Okay, now what do I do? It would be three years later after that calling that I got sent out. But that night when I got home, the night of the calling, I got home to Jenny at three o'clock in the morning. She was laying there, you know, still kind of, oh, I'm glad you're home, you know, you know, kind of thing. I said, God called me into the ministry. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, she was as as awake as anybody could be at three o'clock in the morning. Give her a break, you know. And I said, yep. Yep, that's it. I said, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Okay. Because <laughs> that was the scripture I got. Immediately leave your nets and follow me. Leave my nets. No more job? 
Mm-mm. Immediately, leave your nets. So I went into my boss, Joel Gunther, who ran the distributorship of Pella up in Omaha, and that's who I worked for. And I walked in, I said, I got to talk to you. He says, oh, what's this about, J.D.? You know, big, booming guy, you know. Nice guy, great, great boss, excellent. I said, well, I was at this conference, and, I, and God told me I'm supposed to quit my job. I, I don't know how solid he was with the Lord, probably not, because you know, he's looking at me. And he's just looking at me like that. Uh. But by faith, I went into his office, and I did it. I sat down, I said, I, I got to quit. He says, well, you can't argue with God. All right, then. Faith number one accomplished. And I walked out there and I went home. I said, well, I'm unemployed, honey. So I just went to the church and I just served at the church. No salary, no money, no anything. And we walked by faith. God said, sell your house. We sold our house without any place to go. This is a season. Please understand, this is a season. It hasn't always been like that. So we put our house in the market and it sold that week without any place to go. Steve Johnson, my pastor, comes home from the Senior Pastors Conference out in California with a house key from Jim Long, who ran the 93.5 radio station, and says, Jim told me to give this to you. I guess you got a house now. Gave me a house to live in. Okay, Jenny, we're moving to Tarkio, Missouri, but had not been sent out yet. So I drove up from Tarkio up to up to Bellevue where the church was because I hadn't been released and I knew that that's I need to be released. I need God to send me. I don't want to just send myself. Sending yourself is a disaster every time. I need to be sent. So by faith, I drove up there and continued to do that until finally at a, another afterglow at that church, um, we were waiting on the Lord and I was in the back saying, God, please, can I, I want to go. Can you send me? Will you send me? This is privately to myself. And Steve, my pastor, who had told me, I have no intention of sending you. I said, we're trying to build this church, and I feel like you're the number two here, and this is what we're going to I was an elder and run the books and all that stuff at the time. And I said, I don't have any intention of sending you. I said, oh, that's fine. I said, I, I said, God can change the hearts of kings. I just trust God will do it when it's time, and unless we didn't. So he gives a prophecy from the front. He goes, someone here needs to go do what God's called you to do, and you need to get at it and get going. <laughs> I didn't go ask, that's me. I didn't, I just, oh. And his friend from Arizona, um, Pastor uh, Higgins, said, that's for J.D. Confirmed it. And he goes, dropped his head. He goes, J.D., come up here. I went up there and he laid hands on me right then and sent me out. Holy, wow. You know, I'm walked by faith every step away. And then we get here. I mean, some of you know the story. You know, start with five people in a Bible study, and, and we got kicked out of this place and had to find this place and driving your car around like a divining rod saying, God, show me the building we're supposed to go to. <laughs> Laying hands on where true, the old Walmart, which is true value, and Heinlein and say, God, you know, when no one's looking, I'm out in the back laying hands on the building saying, God, I know you want to give us this building. By faith, I, I claim this building, you know. Not supposed to be, you know. I called him. I said, how much do you want for this building? You know, but God has the cattle in a thousand hills. You know, money's no object for him. It's a billion dollars to buy out the lease. Oh, is that, is that all? You know, <laughs> time to start driving around again. You know, not that he couldn't give me a billion, but you know what? One of our problems was that we had a parking lot full of gravel. 
And the kids would come in. We had a first aid kit. Remember that, Lori? First aid kit that we'd have to put Band-Aids on all these kids. So we had a bigger plan, didn't we? You know? Then another dumb building with more parking lot and gravel. He gives us 33 acres of green grass. It's a beautiful thing. It's a gift of faith. Now, I have failed at my faith many times since then. I like to tell the good spots. I don't tell you all the, you know, the times where I, well, I told you about the Walmart building. That was not the Lord. The gift of faith is an amazing thing. And when it comes upon you, when he gives you that gift and you operate in that gift, it's radical. He wants to do those things in our lives. He wants to do incredible things if we'll let him. By the same spirit. It's the same spirit that does that. To another, the gift of healings by the same spirit. Gift of healings. I don't have that gift. I've wanted that gift for so long. If there's a gift that I want more than any gift, it's a gift of healings. I've earnestly desired that gift. And he won't give it to me. There have been times when I've been able to be a part of maybe someone else's healing, but for the most part, it's never happened. Because, and I, I like to say, I know what it is because I'd, I'd use it wrong. You know, if it was just something that you could pull out of your pocket and use anytime you wanted to as you, at your discretion, which none of the gifts really are, you've got to use them at his discretion. But if I had the gift of healings, I mean, wouldn't you go to the hospital? Wouldn't you go to the cancer ward? Wouldn't you go to the kids, you know, oncology department and like put your hand on the, on the floor and say, everybody, just heal everybody, God, you know, and get them all out of there and out of chemo. He doesn't do that because he uses it in a way to bring him glory and other people to him. He wants to draw people to him. So I don't have that, but that is a a work of the Holy Spirit that's still for today. It's still for today, these gifts. Does he heal every time? Mm -mm. He doesn't. And I don't know why. And I I I don't apologize for it. I don't make excuses for it. I assume it's me or us. But sometimes he just doesn't. Even Paul says he left, um, he left a, uh, Silas, or is it Silas? Or, yeah, Silas sick. Um, he left one of his, his, his guys with him sick. And I mean, Paul could hand out his apron and people would get healed by touching it. So if anybody had that gift they could pull out of their pocket anytime, it was Paul. And yet he didn't heal one of the guys. We don't know why. It wasn't because Paul didn't have faith, that's for sure. Just didn't do it. But that gift is still for today. To another, the working of miracles. Mm. There's a lot in that one. I mean, that's from, I mean, there's a lot in that. I, I, w- I would say that this church is a miracle, but a lot of people would say, eh, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, and I understand that. Miracles like five loaves and two fish feeding 5,000 people. Miracles like the Red Sea. Miracles like healing blind people and are, you know, uh, raising someone from the dead, certainly, you know, miracles. I haven't seen too many miracles, honestly, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want to do those. I think that's one of Mick and I's and, and Carolyn's also one of our biggest prayers that we have is that we just, we want everything he has for us, not just them, all of us, I'm sure we all do. Um, but we talk about it a little more probably than I do with most people, but boy, we sure like to see this take place more often in the church. And so our question is always not what's wrong with him because the power's still there and the ability's still there and the gifts are still there. It's what's wrong with us. What are we doing wrong? And I think that's a fair question to always ask. What is it? Or 
Is it just not time? Is it not appropriate? Are there specific moments or whatever? Fine, whatever your will is, but we just want to make sure it's not us, you know. And that's a good prayer to pray. Um, but miracles is certainly a beautiful gift. And Paul's explaining that. That's a different miracle. Not everybody, or not different gift. Not everybody has these gifts. Only, only a few at different times as he, as he gives out to another prophecy. This is New Testament. Some say, well, all prophecy has been given. Prophecy is over. Yes, when it comes to Jesus Christ and the end times and the way this world's going to go, of course, there's no new revelation, of course. But there is prophecy because we know that when Paul goes into, uh, I wrote it down, um, uh, Agabus, remember Agabus? Agabus, he was on his way uh, ministering to all the churches, and Paul, the apostle, was trying to get to Rome and uh, to minister there, and Agabus takes uh, his belt, puts it around Paul, and kind of ties him up and says, or takes Paul's belt and ties himself up. I can't remember how the story goes. And he says, and, and this is how you're going to go to Rome. You're going to go to Rome bound. That's a prophecy, not concerning end times, but something immediate that's going to take place. I'm letting you know that you're going to go bound to Jerusalem. Paul says, it's the way it's going to be then. That's a prophecy. And that's still for today. That's still for today. Um, be careful about that. You know, thus saith the Lord, you know, you better be right kind of thing. Um, but that's for today. I know we can get very far. We're going to have to end here in a few minutes. Um, to another, the discerning of spirits. We kind of hit upon that. Um, if you've been concerned or you're looking at somebody, I, someone will come up to you and say, hey, I've got this thing I want to do. Okay. Great, you know, and you pray for the for discernment on these things. Is this of God or is it not of God? You know, um, and you have a discerning of the spirits. You can tell what spirit this is of. Is it of the Holy Spirit? Then you'll have koinonia. You'll have koinonia is a word we use. You'll have that oneness. You'll be like, oh, this is obvious. It's obvious. You know, you can feel it. You can sense it. Um, a discerning of spirits. You you maybe at times have walked by someone at Walmart and says, I, they're a believer. I can just tell. You can feel it. You know, you can sense it. Um, and maybe you had enough boldness to ask him, say, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? I am. I thought the same thing about you. And that can happen, you know, or, or they can look at you and start throwing cans at you or something, think you're a weirdo or whatever. But then, you know, you didn't have the discernment, the gift of discernment. But um, that's one way to know how many goose eggs you come home with that night, you know. Um, I, this is fun. Walking in the Spirit is is fun. It's it's why we come to Christ. It, so that it's it's not a philosophy. It's not a get help, a self help program. It's a relationship with a true living God. If He exists, He wants to talk to us. If He wants to talk to us, He wants to tell us what to do and lead us and guide us through our life. And if this is true, I want that. I want all of it. You know. I don't want the weird stuff. I want him. Jesus isn't weird. He doesn't spaz out. He doesn't throw himself on the ground. He's not going ballistic in the church. He never ran anywhere, you know? He's calm. He's cool. The Holy Spirit is the same spirit. It's the spirit of Christ. He's normal, but he's supernatural, and he wants to talk to us and have these times with us. These gifts are essential for every body of believers out there, as well as the body of Christ worldwide. Every church needs this. So that discerning of spirits is a wonderful gift. It, it, it helps you. Another different kinds of tongues, other languages. We call them tongues in the New King James or King James. Other, um, other groups or other uh, translations call it languages. Other languages. Um, 
And we'd see that the most obvious one was when they came out of the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire rested upon them. And they came out praising the glories of God in all the languages of all the people that had come to Jerusalem to worship God. So all these people have come as a pilgrimage to worship God. And these 120 people come out of this upper room place. And they're all praising God, but each in different languages that they didn't know. These aren't languages they studied. These are languages they just came to them. You know, they're just speaking and about the Lord in these languages. And that tells us what it's for. A lot of time people get confused about tongues as if it's some sort of hidden language where you pray or whatever. No, it's to bring God glory. It's never directed to other people. Okay. And we can get into that in a little bit um, when we get into other parts of the scriptures here, especially um, in 14 and so on. But these tongues are there. Now, if we speak these tongues or other languages in a church, Paul says there has to be an interpretation because none of us can say amen if we don't know the language because I don't know what you said. You could say in a Spanish or a, 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 you know, an Amazonian language that Satan rules and we can't all say, well, he's in church. It must be okay. Amen. No, I'm not going to say amen because I don't know what you said. There needs to be an interpretation about these glories of God. And which is the very next gift. To one, you have the gift of tongues or other languages. To another, the interpretation of the tongues. It's very important to have both. How can you say amen if you don't know what was said? You can't. And so therefore, he says later on, then be quiet if there's no interpretation. Don't speak in another language if you know there's no interpretation in the room. Because who can say amen and how did you glorify the body? How did you edify the body of Christ if none of us can agree? You just yelled something. You know, it didn't help any of us. So there needs to be that interpretation. But one in the same spirit works all these things. That's obviously his point, and that's what he's getting at in chapter 12. It's the same spirit. You don't have a better spirit because you speak in tongues. You don't have a, a, a whatever uh, because you do miracles. It's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. So you're equal, Corinthians. You're equal, you know. Now, it is. You're equal. That's, that's the bottom line. Here's what he says. But one of the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. Now, at the end of this chapter, since I thought we'd get there tonight, but we're not going to be able to get there tonight. He says, I want you to earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he begins to talk about love. I want you to earnestly desire the best gifts. But that's as far as we get to go with these things. I don't get to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. I don't get to do what I want to do. And I definitely don't want to fake it. It's a very dangerous thing when you say that one of these gifts is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's very commonly used, the gift of tongues. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you will speak in tongues or pray in the Spirit. And some make that argument that those are two different things. Gift of tongues is different than praying in the Spirit. Everybody has a prayer language. I don't know about that. But I do know this. He never says, once you believe the gospel and are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will pray in the Spirit. He doesn't say that anywhere. It's not a part of it. It's not proof. He says the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your lives is not tongues, but love. They will know you are Christians by your love. That is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, an unnatural love, a supernatural love that only comes from God. It's an agape love. I love you just because I love you, not because you're beautiful 
not because you're sinless and not because you've blessed me, because I just have my love. I have a love for you like God has a love for you. And I don't know where it comes from, but it, there it is. You know? That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you say that tongues are a prayer language, you're going to have a lot of people at church faking prayer languages. Because nobody wants to come to church thinking, and everybody look at them saying, you don't have a prayer language yet? I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is how Calvary Chapel started, by the way. One of the struggles that Pastor Chuck had, he was a part of the Foursquare Movement, which is Pentecostal, like the kind we talked about earlier. And he says, I would spend every worship service underneath the grand piano on the stage asking God to give me the gift of tongues so that I have the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And he grew up that way with that shame and that guilt of not having that language or that gift because that proved that he wasn't filled with the Spirit. Can you, can you understand how wrong that is? Now, I'm all for people examining themselves to see if they're born-again believers. By all means, check yourself, you know. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is not a gift. It's love and the attributes of love. And you can find that in Galatians 5.22. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's how I know whether I ever have wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, whether I have miracles, discerning of spirits, prophecy, tongues, interpretations. If I have the the fruit of the Spirit, then I know that I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the most important. It's as He wills. I can't say what I get. I can earnestly desire the best gifts, but it's up to Him. So, for all that are on this side of the room, I'm never going near the gifts of the Spirit. Here's a safe prayer for you. God, give me everything you have for me. I don't want to miss out on anything that I have. I'm concerned about churches and men and women, but I'm not concerned about you. I know who you are. I know that you're a good God, a good father. And I know you'll only give me what's good. I want that, whatever that is. I earnestly desire the best gifts, whatever you say. If you're on the other side of the room, it's, <laughs> you know, steer clear of the theatrical. It's not worth faking it when there's something real, you know. I'll close with this little story. Um, my kids, I always pull them into this, but whenever their birthday or Christmas is coming around, here come the gift lifts. This, you know, hey, you know, these are the 17 things, you know. You narrow it down, but these are the 17 things or these are the five things or whatever. Okay. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I look at it. You know, cash, you know, no. <laughs> One of my kids... We couldn't find the gift that they wanted, and so we just surprised them with something, and it absolutely blew their socks off. And they figured something out. I said, what if mom and I just surprise you with what we think you're going to like? Now, it's a big gamble, right? It's a big gamble. They say, yeah, but is it going to cost as much as everything else I had on my list, you know? I don't know, might, might not, but why don't you let us... Let, it, let us think about it, you know, and, and let us try to think about who you are and what you are as a person. See if we can come up with something that's pretty amazing. And let us surprise you. Okay. Every time. Our, our God wants to give us amazing gifts. I, I want the gift of healings, but I, I'm thoroughly enjoying the gift of teaching. I am. And although I want other gifts and desire those things, and periodically he'll do that, for the most part, that's one I operate in. This is the one he give, he's given me. And not much more than that. And I try to stay in my lane, like I said. This is where I stay. Um, pray that prayer.
Ask God to give you everything he has for you. It's a safe prayer, and he will answer it. And you need to operate in those gifts because we all need those gifts operating and being used in our lives. You know, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Went a little long tonight, God, but your, your word is worth it. And these are so important to know and to understand. So God, I pray that you would give us all the gifts necessary, all the gifts that are going to be useful to bring you glory and to edify the body and help us to operate in those gifts. It doesn't have to be... <laughs> Uh, organized in the sense that it uh, you know, ratified and, and codified. It can just be a moment that we have these gifts and we use them for one another, whether it's a word of knowledge for somebody, a word of wisdom for ourselves or, or somebody else, or a, a prophecy for somebody else or whatever. It doesn't have to be a class or anything. It just be something we use and do. We pray for that, Lord. Um, Pray that you'd fill us with your spirit. We want to be a, a living church. It's, the book of Revelation tells us that only one of the churches had a little bit of power, Church of Philadelphia. And although we want a lot of power, we want not, not for our own sake, but so that you're, you're a powerful God and a powerful impact on this earth through our church, we want that. We'll take anything you have for us, God, and help us to use it. First of all, we want to start with we believe. We believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today. We believe they're meant to bring your love to a lost and dying world so that they can see the manifestation of you in this world. Help us to bring you glory with our lives. Help us to be open to whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for letting me go long tonight. If you need prayer, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the night.